This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. You can have a seat. And I encourage you to get your Bibles out if you didn't bring one. We have Bibles under your seats in the pew racks below your seats. And you can turn to page 1014 as we continue our series in 1 Peter, page 1014. So for many years, this church was blessed by the preaching uh, ministry of the late Reverend Dr. Rudy Hines. And if you ever sat under Father Father Rudy's uh, preaching, you know that every sermon he preached began with a story about his beloved Chicago Cubs. So in honor of Father Rudy this morning, I'd like to start out with a Cubs story. But in honor of our series as on living as exiles, I would love to tell that story from the perspective of an exile, of an outsider, you might say, from the perspective of a St. Louis Cardinals fan. As you hiss at me, you just play right into my hands. So several years ago, my wife, Jan, and I went to Wrigley Field together for the first time to see a Cubs-Cardinals game. And we proudly showed up in our bright red Cardinal hats and our bright red Cardinal shirts. And as we found our seats, we found ourselves subsumed in a sea of cubby blue. And I will not pass judgment this morning on all Cubs fans. I think there's a few of you out there right now, and uh, you seem like nice people. But let me just say that the crowd we were around that day was rough. And their verbal assaults only got rougher as the game went on and more beverages were consumed. So fast forward a couple years later when Andrew Seymour, who goes to Resurrection, invited me to join him for another Cubs cards game in the left field bleachers. And I decided this time, after that first experience, I was going to take a different approach. I wore a neutrally colored shirt and no hat. I did not cheer for my team too loudly, but spoke quietly to Andy about the game. And I kept a secret until about the seventh inning when it got out, and a guy turned and said, wait a minute, are you a Cardinals fan? Hey, this guy's a Cardinals fan. There were a few moans and groans. There might have been some sort of derogatory comment about wispy and thin pizza, but that was about the extent of it. I mean, no one, no one challenged me to meet them by the bike racks after the game or anything like that. And I left the game so ashamed. I had been afraid of my allegiance to the birds on the bat. I had this image in my mind of Fred Bird, the Cardinals mascot, just hanging his head in disappointment. So as I prepared this morning to preach in our sermon series on living as exiles, and specifically on this aspect of fear, this silly memory came back into my mind, and then a disturbing question came up for me. Have I ever, at any point and in any way in my life, been ashamed to be known as a follower of Jesus? Is there any point where someone could have said, hey, are you a Christian? Fear has power, doesn't it? Our fears weaken our witness. If you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, then you have, in some way, or at some point, experienced the power of fear to weaken 
your Christian witness. Now, some Christians at different parts in our history and even at different places in the world today have cause to fear for their safety and even their lives. And it's always possible that in our country at some point that kind of hostility could exist and those kind of fears could be real for us. But right now, are you like me? Do you sometimes deal with the simple fear of an awkward or embarrassing moment that actually keeps you from turning a conversation towards faith and Jesus. Our fears weaken our witness. So Peter addresses his letter to the elect exiles. He reminds these first century converts to Christianity as he reminds us this morning that we have been adopted into the family of God and given an eternal citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. As Chad preached last week, this world is no longer our spiritual home. And that means that we will often seem like spiritual foreigners to the world around us. But Peter also reminds us in chapter 2 of this letter that we are supposed to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So we are exiles, yes, but we are also called to be God's heavenly ambassadors. And we long to answer that call, don't we? I mean, it doesn't take long just to think of the people in your own life that you deeply desire to come to know the Lord, that you desire to see come into the family of God. I've actually never met a true believer of Jesus who has said something like, I just wish we were a little more exclusive. I think we should cut off membership at this point. No, that's not, that's not what we want. We long to see others come out of darkness and into the light of the kingdom. But it's our fears that weaken our witness, no matter how small they might seem. And we all know that no amount of shame or self-loathing will conquer these fears. But there is something more powerful than the fears that weaken our witness. It's the fear of the Lord. The Lord is our creator. The Lord is the ruler of the universe, and ultimately, he is our only judge. Look right in the middle of our passage from today, chapter 1, verse 17. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear, throughout the time of your exile. Peter tells us to conduct ourselves in the fear of our Father who judges impartially, whose power is so much greater than all other fears. You see, I think we have a tendency to fear all these little judges in our lives. And some of them might be real people who might actually judge or on some level mock us for our faith. But I also think that many of them are actually imaginary. They're likely figments of our imagination, what people might say about us, how they might judge us or think about us. But all these little judges, be they real or imagined, and the power of our fears around them that weaken our witness, these melt in the light of the fear of the Lord. Peter also reminds us in chapter 2 that we can entrust ourselves 
to this fear, to the fear of the Lord who judges justly. I love that phrase. He judges justly. And in that same chapter, Peter tells us that he's not only our judge whom we should fear, but he is also the shepherd and overseer of our souls. The Lord wants good for us. He wants our witness to bring others out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The fear of the Lord is infinitely more powerful than the fears that weaken our witness. In fact, the fear of the Lord is what forms our witness. And I love the fact that it's Peter who wrote this letter. Because here's a guy, and we know this, of course, from the Gospels, that had already been through what you might call an advanced degree program in the fear of the Lord forming his witness. Peter knew about fear. This was the guy who told Jesus he would follow him to death, but then he ran when danger came. This is Peter who, during Jesus' trial, was so afraid, so fearful, that he denied that he even knew Jesus. And there's such a gift for us here, isn't there? The power of repentance and forgiveness. Because what comes next? Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, Peter began to truly learn the fear of the Lord. And on the day of Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter preached in the fear of the Lord and saw thousands of people accept Jesus as Lord. So Peter brings his own story of failure, repentance, and forgiveness, and his own experience in being formed in the fear of the Lord and his witness being formed in the fear of the Lord. He brings all that to bear as he writes this letter. We couldn't have a better teacher than Peter. The fear of the Lord has truly formed his witness. So last week, Chad preached on the previous passage and the incredible hope we have through the resurrection of Jesus. And out of that passage where Peter's eyes are fixed on our future hope, he now turns his gaze to the now. How do we live as exiles and ambassadors now in the light of the hope we have in Jesus? So it can be easy to get lost in Peter's winding thoughts and his long sentences. And we're going to bounce around just a little to try to make sense of the passage this morning, but I just want to draw out two things for you to notice as we go through this passage. First of all, notice how Peter encourages us to live out the fear of the Lord in our lives. He encourages us to live out the fear of the Lord in our lives. And secondly, with that, notice how Peter can't help but lift up the name of Jesus. So first, let's see how he encourages us to live out the fear of the Lord in our lives. In verse 13, Peter first tells us to be ready for action and sober-minded. Our status as exiles and ambassadors is not a passive one. It's going to take proactivity on our part. Starting in verse 13, Therefore, Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Don't conform to the passions 
of this world, Peter says, don't fall back. It can be so easy to forget that this world is not our home. He encourages us to stay sober-minded and ready to fight that temptation, not to conform to the world, as Peter says, not to fall back. Because when this starts to happen, not only does this weaken your witness, but it can damage your soul. Avoid the error of Lot, who in the Old Testament kept moving his tents closer and closer to the town of Sodom and Gomorrah until his family was living within the walls, virtually indistinguishable from the pagan culture around him. Remember instead Joshua, who declared, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, Peter says, but continuing in verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. So here, Peter's telling us that the fear of the Lord forms our witness as we seek to conduct ourselves in holiness, as we seek holiness. So here's the thing. Growing in holiness will often be countercultural. We're seeking to imitate the Lord as opposed to the idols and ideals of this world. And you know what? That can look weird to people. So be weird. In fact, let your weirdness be part of your witness. When the ways of our culture are in conflict with the ways of the kingdom, stand out and be weird. Not with a sense of self-righteousness, but don't be apologetic for it either. Don't be ashamed. So, one time at one of my kids' baseball games, one of the moms turned to me in front of a whole bunch of parents and said, oh, my husband and I were talking about your family. We were just noticing how none of you swear and your kids look adults in the eye. And with everybody watching, I know this is really weird, but I had this strange instinct just to, to fit in and play it down, to not be weird. And my response was really um, quite inadequate. I think it was something like, oh, well, I mean, you should see us at home. <laughs> ah! I would like to have that moment back. I wonder what it would look like what it would have looked like in that moment for my weirdness to be a witness, to bear witness to the Lord in some way. Your weirdness is a witness. How you spend your time, how you don't spend your time, the things you talk about, the things you don't talk about. People notice that you are different and it can all become a witness to the fear of the Lord. So don't be apologetic about it. But in fact, be prepared, as Peter says in chapter 3, to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. So like I said, we're going to bounce around a little to see how Peter calls us to live out the fear of the Lord in our lives. So let's skip ahead real quick to verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. 
The fear of the Lord also forms our witness as we seek to love one another. The way we treat and serve one another, it shows people what it would be like to be a part of the family of God. So the way that we talk to each other, the way that we talk about one another really matters. So just a note here. In the history of the church, Christians and the church, and even today, have made some egregious mistakes. And it is true that part of our witness is to acknowledge that and with repentance be honest about that. But we also need to watch out that our fear of judgment from the world doesn't cause us to compromise the love that we're supposed to display for one another. So I'd encourage all of us to be careful about how we talk about our church, how we talk about other churches and other Christians, both in conversations and on social media. Ask yourself, is it done in Christian love and affection? The witness of that love for each other is powerful. So Peter encourages us to live out the fear of the Lord in our lives. But you can't also just help but notice how Peter cannot help but lift up the name of Jesus throughout this passage. Twice he breaks into long parenthetical reminders of the source of our hope, Jesus Christ. That first one happens in verses 18 to 21, and then he does it again in verses 23 to 25. So let's take a look at the first one, but just so we don't lose him mid-sentence, let's go back to uh, verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and your hope are in God. The message of salvation is not just an abstract concept for Peter. The whole letter is infused with the person of Jesus. He's bearing personal testimony to the death of and resurrection of Jesus. Our good news has flesh and blood. It isn't just an abstract idea. It's not just a distant God who pulled out a few spare coins from his ancient treasure chest to ransom us, and they gave us an ideology that we could discuss. No, he gave us a person. He gave us his son, Jesus, whom he raised from the dead and gave him glory, as Peter says, so that our faith and hope are in God. And notice in that second passage how Peter can't help at the end of our passage from today but lift up the name of Jesus and link him to that beautiful passage from Isaiah there in verses 23 and 24. Jesus is the imperishable seed. Jesus is the word that endures forever. Jesus is the word made flesh. And Peter closes with, he is the source of our good news. 
Peter can't help but lift up the name of Jesus because that is what is at the very heart of our witness. The fear of the Lord forms us as we lift up the name of Jesus. And that's where it starts to get challenging, right? That's where fear creeps in. You can actually sort of feel it welling up within you. Model the fear of the Lord in my life. Be a little weird. Sure. Proclaim the person of Jesus. Uh, That's where it gets hard. So my first encouragement is that you would pray. You would pray that the Lord would give you opportunities to share the gospel, to share the name of Jesus. And secondly, pray that you would be, as Peter says in verse 13 today, you would be ready for action when the moment comes. So ever since high school, I've maintained a close friendship with my old cross-country coach, Wayne. And Wayne has no belief in Jesus. He knows that I do. And he knows that my family, that we're Christians, and he knows that we live our lives a little differently, that we're a little, little weird. But I must admit, I've never had the boldness to specifically name the name of Jesus to him, to proclaim Jesus to Wayne. So my ordination was coming up that happened just a few weeks ago, and Jana encouraged me to invite Wayne to the service. I thought that was a great idea. So I invited him and his wife, Ruth Ann, and they said they'd come, and I was really excited. Wayne's going to be in church. I don't even know if he's ever been in church or when the last time is that he has been in church. And then as I was praying and getting ready for the ordination, I just started feeling this nudge, like the Lord was saying to me, I want you to proclaim the gospel to Wayne. I want you to lift up the name of Jesus to him. And my stomach started turning, and I thought, Lord, oh, this is going to be awkward. It's a busy weekend. I don't know where this will happen. Is he going to be offended? Is it going to sound like bait and switch to him? Really, Lord? And my stomach kept turning, and then I, I think I started to realize that stomach turning, that's that's the fear of the Lord. He's not, he's not going to let this go. He wants me to do this. So after, after way too much waffling and thinking about how and if, I decided I would stand up after dinner on Saturday night before the service and just say something simple. So I stood up and I said, thanks everyone for coming, especially from out of town. It means a whole lot to us. Thank you for your support for me and my family It means a whole lot. And I just want to tell you all, it is true tomorrow at my ordination. It it, it is somewhat, just a little bit. It's about Steve because I'm being ordained. But, you know, it's, it's really about someone else. It's about Jesus. And then I really briefly shared who Jesus was and, and what he's done for us and our faith that we have in him. And, you know, they were way more receptive than I had imagined in my mind. All the scenarios that I had played out in my mind, it went a lot better than that. And I kind of off-ramped from talking about Jesus to just giving a couple details about the service. 
You know, there's going to be a lot of out-of-town guests. The service will probably last about 90 minutes. I sort of wish I hadn't shared that last part. So where do we find the encouragement we need to lift up the name of Jesus? Where do we find the encouragement to live out the fear of the Lord in our lives? That he might form our witness through that fear. Well, first and foremost, I think that happens in a life lived in his church. Because within the walls of the church, we are not foreigners. If out there we are exiles and ambassadors, then in the church, we are in the embassy of the kingdom of heaven. This is heavenly soil. And we do the work of the kingdom in here. We learn the fear of the Lord as we sing and proclaim his power and his majesty and ultimate authority. We partake in the heavenly banquet at his table, surrounded by the family of God. And every time we hear God's word preached, we're reminded of the full story of salvation, what the Lord has rescued us out of, and the hope we have for what is to come. We're reminded that this season of exile is not the whole story, but just a small part of God's full salvation story. So don't miss it. Don't miss coming. Because every week, coming into this place is an opportunity to come into the kingdom of God, here and now, to find strength for your journey as an exile and an ambassador, to grow in the fear of the Lord and to be sent out as his witness. So the next morning when the ordination service ended, it wasn't 90 minutes. It was more like two and a half hours. And my first instinct was to find Wayne and apologize in case he thought that was really weird. But before I could find him, he found me. And he came up to me with tears in his eyes. And he said, Steve, that changed me. Being in this service changed me. And he said this, he said, being around people that are that passionate in what they believe in changed me. I believe he saw the fear of the Lord in each of you. Don't we long for more of that? I can't believe how hard it was for me to get to the point where I could lift up the name of Jesus to Wayne. Don't we each long to see more of the people we know in our lives, hear the gospel proclaimed, and have the opportunity, the invitation to come into the family of God? So let's pray this morning that the fear of the Lord would conquer all lesser fears that weaken our witness. But in fact, the fear of the Lord would form our witness. And that each and every one of us, as Jesus calls us, would be bold enough to lift up the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.